Well, it's clear that I didn't win that Mega Millions, folks, which is now, I can't even believe, north of a billion dollars, which is just a ridiculous number. You present value that back, you figure in the sevens, pay your taxes. You could walk away, Dan Nathan, with a clean half a billion dollars or thereabouts. But why? I mean, talking about this, because in just a few minutes, we got Tom Sosnoff. I am so fired up for that. Founder and CEO of Tasty Trade. By the way, in case you were wondering, this is Market Call. It is July 27. I am Guy Adami. And after Tom, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Tasty Trade, empowering the individual investor through content, technology, and know-how. And of course, we're powered by Open Exchange. I was not powered to get the correct numbers, but... Neither was anybody else, Dan, Nathan. No, you were not. A guy yesterday at this time, we were talking about how we felt like the market felt a little funky, if you Mm -hmm. will. That is not a technical term. It's just one of those kind of look and feel sort of situations here. And oh, what a difference a day makes, man. Look at like, you know, the S&P is raging. It's up about one and a half percent. The NASDAQ was up nearly three percent on the heels of that kind of Microsoft and Google missed. So again, don't you love on the Twitter, you know, after the kind of announcements are coming out and looking at the Chiron. That's what they call that little thing, right? On TV guy underneath your mug and everything like that. Lower and what, thirds. Yeah, the lower third. What people are saying, you know, and, and you say this all the time. It's like, it's usually the interns writing those headlines, right? So it's like, you don't want to be trading off the headlines that the interns are writing, whether it be on the news outlets, on Twitter, or on TV. That's just a fact here. But again, like those weren't great reports. They just weren't as bad as people expected. And that's all what that's, that's all it took to change the sentiment 24 hours later. Yeah. I, and I definitely want to get Tom in here, but quickly I'll say in terms of Microsoft, I mean, the knee jerk reaction was to take that stock down to about 242 or thereabouts yeah. as again, slowing cloud growth. Now, 40% growth is 40%, but it's still slowing. And it was less than I think the 45% that the street was looking for. With that said, what gave the market some encouragement, I think, is when they basically said they weren't really seeing a slowdown on the demand side. In terms of Google, I mean, it wasn't a great quarter. I've seen much better quarters out of Google. What was good about it was the setup. So it was not nearly the disaster that people were looking for. YouTube was not an unmitigated disaster. I think people looked at it and said, you know, valuation is still compelling. They're not seemingly feeling the same impact that Snap is. And that's why Google is higher. But again, don't confuse the situation here. In terms of Microsoft, we're just getting back to where we were a few days ago. In terms of Google, basically just got back to losses from the prior day. So, you know, I'm not trying to be glib, but you understand what I'm saying. No, I do. You need to be kept in perspective. Well, listen, the main event is going to be obviously the Fed meeting today at 2 and what they choose to do. I think the CME Fed Watch tool is obviously saying a very strong chance of a 75 basis point hike. And we know that this year, I saw a stat that the stock market had been up about 1.5% or so on days that the stock or the Fed have raised interest rates looking at the s p 500 really quickly here guy because you know again yesterday on this call and we like to be very transparent i said i thought the market was getting a little bit funky i was not expecting a massive downgrade to guidance by any of these companies so i thought it was very likely we also said that we thought that some of these companies are going to kind of cancel themselves out like tonight meta might have a very disappointing guide but it might not mean anything as it relates to mm-hmm. enterprise demand for SaaS or what it relates to is like cloud growth over there at google or whatever you get my point here guy but let's look at the s p because we talked about you know above 40 
40, 50 late last week, right? And it kind of reversed here. Here we are. That's kind of a level going back to June 9th. There is a gap there. That was when the Fed kind of floated that trial balloon in front of their June meeting about going from a 50 basis point to a 75 basis point hike. Talk to me about the S&P 500 here. Well, you know, 4,100 was what I was looking for. I've said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. You know, I thought that reversal on Friday when we got north of 4,000 in the S&P reversed lower, I thought that could tell the tale for a while. I'm going to stand by that. You know, today, obviously, listen, we're here at 105. The world's going to look a lot different probably in an hour and a half or so. And quite frankly, trying to handicap that, I think it's a bit of a fool's errand. But with that said, you know, I do think this move from 3,600-ish from June 15th to current levels now is enough. And I think Carter would sort of back up my statement there. And he's shown the work that he's done to illustrate exactly that. So I think the S&P has done what it needed to do. Would it surprise me if we take another run on the back of whatever people interpret these Fed statements to be? Yes, but I do think that we've exhausted ourselves to a large extent on the upside. Yeah, well, let's look at this NDX and NASDAQ 100 here. And again, yesterday on the market call, I mentioned that some of the names that I had been picking at in the NASDAQ in particular, it was Netflix, it was Meta, it was Snap, it was PayPal, and the QQQs over the last, let's call it, month and a half or so, kind of lightened up on a little bit. They were all up other than the Snap that I'd been averaging in on that big gap lower, and that was my play. I kind of made a decision that I didn't want to do that, let's say, in a matter or so. But today, market's ripping. Elliot takes a stake in PayPal. You know, it's really important not to get too turned around here i still think that the nasdaq is probably or the ndx is not going to give above that thirteen thousand, and we're likely to see a retest in the coming month or so of those prior lows guy quickly on the ndx before we get to tom same thing obviously look microsoft and google's given its legs amazon as well you know i think the same thing i think it's an exhaust itself and we we haven't even brought up apple yet i mean that's really the one that i think is going to tell the tale and I can't believe, given everything that I've read, listened to, heard over the last couple of weeks, that maybe the quarter will be fine. I can't believe the guide is going to be fine. And the stock setup into that earnings release, I don't think is particularly good, bouncing from the 122 level to current level. So I think Apple's going to tell the tale for this chart. But listen, without further ado, by the way, that's a French word. It has an I-E, not an O, but a U in it, which I just sort of dig. Tom Sosnoff, ladies and gentlemen, who joined us last week, back again today. What's up, my man? Hello, boys. How are you, Tom? What's tickling your fancy? I mean, we're obviously been banting about a lot of things here. You're looking at you look at the markets all day long, twenty four seven. What's sticking out to you today? You know what? In a way, that's that's totally true, but it's also really sad that that's my life. <laughs> um, it just hit me when you said that because I really do just watch the markets twenty four seven. It's a sickness. I always like the Fed stuff because mm-hmm. I'm always short a lot of bond premium. I shouldn't say always. I should say in the last, you know, probably eight to twelve months. I'm short a lot of bond premium just because the volume there is so rich relative to kind of historical averages. So I think what's so interesting is people are, I think people are just talking about, is it 75 basis points or it's a lock to be 75 basis points, like you said, according to the CME site. But the interesting thing is since the last time they raised 75 basis points, the 30 years up almost 10 full points, which is what, almost 6%. So It's kind of crazy that you raise short-term rates in the process, you lower long-term rates dramatically. I just don't get why the Fed, it's so crazy for people that are going, well, how come rates are down so much 
since they raised rates last time. Like, it's such an inverse reaction, and, and it's so weird for people, I think, that I'm not sure the Fed means a damn thing today, mm-hmm. other than it will create some very short-term volatility that will probably reverse. Whatever happens today will probably reverse within the next 24 to 48 hours. I want to bring Dan in real quick, but how do you exhibit that view of short bond? Because that, listen, that's a $100 table. That's the deep end of the pool. And obviously, you talk a lot about this Tasty works. I'm just yeah. curious if you could just sort of walk us through quickly here. Well, I think that, you know, opportunity in today's world, like when when you and I and Dan first started trading, opportunity was much more specific. Like you could look at your screen and you could say, I could trade this, I could trade this, I could do this, I could do this. But in today's world with high frequency market making everywhere, there's virtually no product that's off limits. So if you're a trader in 2022, you have to be product indifferent Mm -hmm. and you can't eliminate the bonds. Bonds are really interesting now, not just because the premium is so high, but you also have, you know, you have an inverted yield curve. You've got the twos over the thirties. You've got the twos over the tens. You know, it's by a crazy number, almost, you know, 200 basis points. You got the twos over thirties. I haven't looked at them this morning, but by it was about 30 basis points yesterday. These are really interesting yield curve trades that are only going to be exaggerated today by whatever happens on that Fed announcement. I think it's very interesting short-term opportunity. If you want to bet on the yield curve, you know, maybe expanding a little bit, which is how I'm betting, or if you want to bet on premium contracting, which is also how I'm betting. You know, Tom, when you first started Tasty Trade over, I think about 10 years ago, does that sound about right? I remember yeah, about 11 years. On- Yeah, Yeah, I remember going on your program and you talk about being product agnostic. You know, you were talking about trading bonds and the volatility of bonds when no one else was. I used to go on there and didn't have a whole heck of a lot to say about it. But when you talk about, let's just throw up a chart here real quickly, you know, of the 10 year U.S. Treasury yield. Like you just said, you know, with the Fed raising short term, with the longer dated stuff coming in, it's creating a bit of a confusing environment, which probably sets up well for some of the vol trades that you're talking about here but guy has been calling for 275 he called for three and a quarter you got an overshoot there right a couple of months mm-hmm. ago now yeah. it really feels like you could have a quick move if we have i guess data that suggests that the economy is slowing who knows if that is on the gdp print tomorrow or not but then the flip side of that to your point about the 210 spread it's at its wide for 20 years so how what are you guy just said how are you expressing that view so okay. a bunch of, a bunch of yeah. different ways a bunch of different ways and 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 everybody should understand that if you have to be on like tasty supports all products we're, we're completely indifferent so we don't care yeah. you need to be on platforms that if you're a trader you need to, and if you're watching this show you need to be on platforms that support all products well you just talked about the 10-year the 10-year is is zn that's the symbol and it's already traded today you know almost three quarters of a million contracts so it's one of the most liquid products out there in any basically of any futures product. The options are liquid. Markets are one tick wide on, on any individual option. The options, the spreads are one tick wide and the futures are one tick wide. And it's a small product in the sense that it's half the size of the bonds. So anybody that wants to introduce themselves to like a, a short premium play in, for example, the 10-year, the front month vol right now in there, or the most active month vol, is trading at about eight and a half. Normal is probably around five and a half, six. So you're about 50% over normal vol in the 10-year. So one way to play it is just to sell some premium, puts, calls, both, whatever, who cares? And it also has its span margin, so it's relatively capital efficient. The other way, if you wanted to play the yield curve, is you can sell the 30-year, buy the 10-year, and you can do it one-to-one. You can do it, you can buy two 10-years and sell one 30-year, or you can buy the, let's say, the two-year, 
buy a couple of two years and sell, you know, 110 or 130. I mean, you can do any combination of any of those spreads, just depending on the amount of capital you have. And it's relatively inexpensive as far as notional goes to put on any of those trades. So I know I'm talking kind of at a high level for people that aren't used to trading any kind of futures or anything, but bonds are so important. Like we can't sit here and talk about the Fed if you can't apply it somehow, if it's not practical in some sense. If you can't trade it, then I don't even want to talk about it. Like it's not important to me. Mm -hmm. You can't trade it, who cares? That's the way I look at business. No, and one of the things you obviously can trade, and I think I'd love to have your view to the extent that you have one, is been, listen, everything sort of in terms of commodities, in terms of inflation, everything comes off of energy, specifically the crude market. And sure. crude oil has had some amazing moves over the last six, seven months or so. You had that huge move to the upside. It made sense that we do a back and fill. The failed potential move to test it again to the upside. And now here we are. I would submit... We're at a pretty critical level. Dan agrees with that as well. How do you look at crude? Do you trade crude? What are your yes. thoughts here? I trade crude actively. I've already made a handful of trades in crude already today. A couple of ways I look at crude. Number one, it is an incredibly liquid product. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it doesn't trade nearly as much as bonds, but it, crude oil trades and the options trade. And it's one of the best, as far as volatility goes, and as far as pricing goes, it's one of the richest commodity options that we have, one of the most liquid and richest. So I do trade a ton of crude. I'm looking at crude a little different than everybody else. I feel like that the real risk in crude oil is to the downside. Mm -hmm. When I look at velocity of risk and I look at what crude's done, it seems to me that crude has a really easy time to go lower right now and it has a very difficult time going higher. So I think that for me, the outlier risk in crude, it's priced as the outlier risk is to the upside. I look at the outlier risk to the downside. I'm playing crude to get back into the low 80s. And if you look at the forward curve in crude, it's kind of pointing you know, down towards you know, low 90s, high 80s, or actually low 80s over the next you know four to six months so i think you're going to see crude maybe in a surprise into the mid 70s all right so dan wants to get in but i got to just sort of follow up quickly because dan agrees with you wholeheartedly i'm sort of on the other side of that trade but i can totally understand what you're saying to the extent that you think it matters to the broader market the equities market is Thank a you. lower crude a positive thing or a negative thing under the well, sort of the, the auspices that you just talked about well first of all so the actual correlation of crude to the stock market now is virtually non-existent. It's trading at a correlation of, I think it's like 0.1. It's in the area of statistically insignificant with respect to the stock market. So we look at things from a correlation standpoint when they are statistically significant and when they're not. And right now, crude and the stock market have virtually no relationship. So, so to answer your question, first, I don't think it matters. But second, I would think that just generally speaking, lower crude oil prices would be good for stock market. They'd be good for tech stocks. I mean, they'd obviously be bad for energy stocks. But, you know, I think people that haven't taken their profits in energy stocks have made a huge mistake at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Tom. And I think from a sentiment standpoint, listen, you always bring receipts as it relates to the math here. So we appreciate that, that, that take on the correlations to the stock market. Let's just quickly talk about a couple big stocks that reported sure. last night. Let's talk about, you know, the move that we're seeing in Alphabet today. It's up about, I don't know, six and a half percent. We're seeing Microsoft up about five percent. The implied move, interestingly, for Alphabet was about seven percent. The applied move into the print for Microsoft was about five percent. Obviously, if you're playing that 
that just on, from a vol basis. You got to, you know, you're, you're kind of flat ish. I don't think you're too excited about that. When you look at these charts, though, and you look at just the volatility that both Alphabet and Microsoft have had over the last couple of months, today's you know, ticks are not, they're not technically significant. So I'm just curious how you're looking at the bounce today relative to the setup into these. And we know that we have Meta tonight and then we have Apple and Amazon tomorrow night. Well, you know that I, I'm not a technician. I don't use technical analysis yeah. at all. So I'm I'm strictly, you know, a vol trader. And I look at the markets in the sense of expected move and things like that. And last night, I thought there was probably five earnings plays that were kind of, from a trader standpoint, that were in play. All five, including the two that you mentioned, came in inside the expected move where they opened. A couple, you know, Google's actually got up close to its expected move. But generally speaking, all five earnings plays from last night were inside the, all five of the major earnings plays were inside of the expected move. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that these stocks are more tradable now because, you know, especially in the case of Google and Amazon, because they've split. I also think it's because this market took a lot of the fear out yesterday. And so I think it was almost like a, re- a little bit of a relief rally today, a little bit of a the market was a little bit exhausted to the downside. Yep. And I think we talked about this last time. I don't sense that in the middle of, you know, the end of July, beginning of August at this point, that there's a lot of outlier risks to the downside or even the upside for that matter. When we look at the markets right here, most of the risk has been priced into this market over the last six months. And most of the damage, in my opinion, most of the outlier damage has been done already. So I think what you're seeing here is actually a pretty normalized move that is in line with, you know, with the way the options were priced. I got to tell you something. You and Tony Batista did an amazing piece of work on the pros and cons of straddles and strangles. And that's (laughs) something you should go to your website for that alone. I mean, I know you're a good looking man and all that shit, but just that, that was a tutorial, man. Well, Tony, totally enjoyed it. Tony's the eye candy. I mean, I'm just, I'm the, I'm the color guy. Okay. He's your eye candy. Well, honestly, you play off each other really well, and I encourage folks to go to that. And I encourage coach to go to tastytrade.com. Follow Tasty Trade at Tasty Trade on Twitter. Check out this website. We like it when you watch. Well, you better be watching. And, Tom, given the feedback we got last week, people are absolutely watching. I hope they continue to do it. Go awesome. back to your trading. Look forward to having you back next week. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guy. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bob. You know, it's great to have him on. He brings a completely different perspective to some of the things that we do. And I think it's a really refreshing voice here. Yeah, well, let's bring Carter in because I'd like to get Carter's take on this. This is Carter Braxtonworth. If you guys are new to Carter's work, he's from Worth Charting. Hello, Carter. You you can be found here also on Market Call on team, Mondays team. and Wednesdays. How are you? Good. How, how are you, bud? Hey, I wanted to ask you, you, you know, you've known Tom for a long time, and he's obviously a guy. He trades everything. He looks at markets all day long. He doesn't look at charts, which is really interesting, right? Like the, what you are most focused on, you know, he has a similar focus as it relates to volatility of underlying. And it's interesting because you've dealt with hundreds, if not thousands of institutional investors and traders over your years in the business. And and I'm just curious your take when you hear about somebody who's been as consistent and with a great track record like him, who doesn't even look at the charts too much. Yeah, here's what it is. And, and this is not to contradict anyway. 
and I don't know really what Tom does other than he's one of the greats. And he, but you, what's the main thing he said? I'm watching all the time. Yeah. You know what they're originally called? They were called tape readers. Yeah. Because there was a ticker tape. And that is essentially charting in a different way. You're getting a feel. You're watching GE come across and then GE and then US Steel and then GE. And then all of a sudden, Coke, 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 Coke. Wow, something's going on. Meaning he gets his feel from the tape. And I can't put words. You know in what it is? It's but kind that's of what like, charting is in a different way. It might not be visual plotting of prices, right. but anyone who is looking at a screen and looking at all the lights flickering, as we all are all the time, but to the extent that Tom is doing it at the, at the highest level, in many ways, it's just charting in his mind. In his yeah, I, you eyes. know what that is, though. I mean, that's like kind of beautiful mind sort of stuff. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's basically yep. he sees it. He doesn't need to have it up on his screen. Correct. He sees it like that. Now that's a good take here. Let's talk real quickly here. I just saw a headline cross the tape that the Senate passed the Chips Act. We've been talking about the semis here for a while here we've had this really great move into it they've really outperformed the s&p 500 and we kind of hit this last week you had that bounce to that downtrend right the top of the downtrend channel you still think that we stay the course here and kind of you know attempt to reshort if that's your kind of you know directional view or yes meaning the the ricochet steep and notice where it did hit its head at that downward sloping, uh, very well-defined intermediate trend line. Yeah. And we're still kind of just churning there. So this is a case where I think you you bet against important strength. Yeah. All right, before we get into some of the names we want to highlight today, the reporting, can you just quickly opine? I, I just threw up a chart earlier in Alphabet and then also in Microsoft. And I think you might have heard what I had to say about it. Sure. And, you know, you know, the moves are really nice. They're within the expected moves in the options market. But the charts have not broken out here. Just your quick thoughts on these two bounces today. Right. So if you really, the, the trick is always, we all have our biases, even I, who don't know anything about Microsoft fundamentally, but I think, oh, it's Microsoft and oh, wow, they're cheaper than they were. Wow. The, but if you look at the chart, right, nothing has happened. That's the key, right? The strength doesn't really fix what is a highly burdened chart in either instance. Yeah, no, I, well, that, that was kind of our take here. And I guess if you had a failure, you know, at that downtrend in the alphabet, and then obviously you see that little pennant formation working in the Microsoft, mm-hmm. you know, you may set up to the downside. Guy, thoughts on those two real quick? Well, while we're opining, you might as well throw a Diogenes tweet up because- No, 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 you jumped, you jumped this thing here. Oh, we're not doing that it? right well, now. I thought we were yeah, going to yeah. do that. No, 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 but you got to, you know- I apologize. No, 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 no. all right, let's quickly- this. bad. No, that's okay. No, look, I mean, quickly, what do I look at this chart? It's exactly what you just said. I mean, it's a pennant formation that we're still in the midst of, and- you know, I happen to think it's going to probably resolve itself to the downside. This quarter was okay, good enough, but it wasn't anything gangbuster. So we'll see how it plays itself out. All right, let's quickly look at Meta here. You brought some charts on three names you're focused on. I want to focus on the Meta here. I bought a little of this about a month ago. I sold a little bit yesterday, a little bit nervous into this print now with Google up 7%. Everything's partying in the space. You know, maybe this thing looks like it's trying to put in a little bit of a near-term bottom. Thoughts, because we had the Snap news, we had the Twitter news, we have the Alphabet news now. What sort of guide would it take and i know you don't care about the fundamentals but it would take a big piece of fundamental news to have this thing down significantly again right or up meaning it's it's in a tight range there's a big debate you can feel the tension bears and bulls matched off and that is the circumstance with microsoft with google and they're really not resolved even with the strength today they're just staying in their ranges you even drew it as a pennant doesn't matter what we call it the point is it's in a moment of equilibrium, and I think that's the case for Meta. It would take a lot to break the standoff. It's just a pair of twos. 
Guy, any thoughts there on the, on the meta here? I actually used that on Fast Money last night. I gave you an HT, as they say, Carter. I said you know, I talked about Amazon. I said, if you look at it right here, I mean, you're basically yeah. splitting hairs. You're flipping a coin. Carter Worth would say if you were here, yep. you're looking at a pair of twos. I agree. I, You know, I think you look at this chart, you say you have to play it for the upside. You have to play it for the relief rally. I would totally understand that, and it totally makes sense. But I could have said that probably 40 or $50 ago into that prior quarter, and it would have been dead wrong. So, listen, if you're so inclined, if you have the temerities, I like to say, I think the way to play is from the long side. I would sort of sit this one out. I would look for a move to that lower band, that lower horizontal line, and then play it from there. Yeah, well, I bought a little last month. I sold a little yesterday. I'm looking to buy a lot more back, let's say, on a gap. I'm looking at that kind of that kind of range between the 2019 and the 2020 low. I think you mm-hmm. have one more big gap. It probably goes down there, and I think it's a generational buy there. All right, Carter, we were just talking about semis. You want to look at Qualcomm. They report tonight after the close. We just mentioned that thing about the CHIPS Act here. That's got to be in the stocks. Guy has been kind of pounding the table on Qualcomm, I want to say, for a couple of months here. And the outperformance in Qualcomm off of the June lows is remarkable. It's down only about 15, 16% on the year. So now we're starting to see some decent relative strength. Texan was out last night, only down 10% on the year, having a good day. Carter, talk to us the setup in Qualcomm. Right. So obviously it's a huge move. And, and so the issue is, is it is it strength that needs to be faded? The argument that I'm making for semis, for instance, or is it strength that should be embraced because it is such a relative outperformer. I'm in the latter camp. I've got lines drawn here. You can see, obviously, the authority of the lows. It keeps holding. That's a three-year chart. But if you put it in the downtrend line, Mm -hmm. of course, we've also broken above that downtrend line. You can see it in the next chart. And so the question is, does it back and fill here, or does it do what's implied by that arrow, up arrow in green, on the chart? That's That's my thinking. Up, further more outperformance, more absolute gains. I agree. And listen, I've talked about Qualcomm now for a while. I mentioned those bottoms that you outlined. I've basically been saying, listen, on valuation, you can make a very compelling case for Qualcomm at 13 times next year's numbers. They're probably in the right space. I agree with you. And if you do get a miss or something in line that the market doesn't like, any weakness you see, I think you take advantage of it and buy it again. But I do think this is a name that can continue to go higher. You're bringing a new name to the forefront here, and it comes in the form of, and I'll sure I'll mispronounce it, but Equinix. Yeah, so very large cap. I thought I'd stick with names over 50 billion that is not really in the in the sort of poster child, most owned category that we know as Apple and Microsoft and Google and so forth. But it's an important name and it doesn't act well. It too is stuck in that same range and it would take a lot to unlock it, if you will, to get it out of the range. Notice again, Microsoft, Google couldn't even with their good news or so-called good news, move up and out or down. And so the question is, does it ultimately though get down to that dotted horizontal line that is shown there on the chart, the lows of a year and a half ago? If we pull this back and look at longer term and then even another iteration, put in some that's the problem. That has all the elements of an important top. A weak right shoulder, which is really prototypical or textbook, and a really long-term iteration of this same chart. Take a look. It's just, it's been a, a heck of a run. And there's more downside risk, I would say, than upside potential. All within the context of the comment I just made preceding all of this, which it's probably still stuck in the range that it's been in, as Microsoft and Google are. But my bet is to the downside. 
No, it's interesting that you talk about Microsoft and Google because our friend Jim Chanos, he is at Wall Street Cynic on the Twitter. He has been short of this name, and he actually mentions a, the fact, he tweeted this, I think it was yesterday, Microsoft Azure had June quarter revenue growth over 40%, Google Cloud over 36%, Equinix also reporting this week, it just expected obviously out over tonight, expected to show growth of just 6% and 10% respectively for these two names here. So here's the thing. So he was quoted in the press as saying that Jim Chanos is shorting the cloud. You remember that guy on Fast Money a couple weeks ago? He goes, no, 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 I'm supporting the REITs that support the data centers of the cloud, which I thought that was a really interesting distinction. I mean, listen, earnings are expected to grow in Equinix 30% of the year for this year and next, but the stock trades 90 times, you know, 70 times earnings for next year, also about eight and a half times sales. So he just thinks it's expensive. I thought that was a really interesting take and I like your technical take here. All right. Lastly, we spent a little time over the last couple of weeks on service now, the CEO speaking to Jim Cramer a couple of weeks ago, I think the market took it as kind of some downbeat kind of commentary as it relates to enterprise spending. What's your take on the chart here? Because this is going to be a big one, even with Microsoft leading the charge here today up 5%. I think a lot of investors may really key in on this one. Right. So the, the crazy thing about this is, is we can barely tell whether we change the chart, right? I mean, if you didn't say service now, could that be EQIX? I mean, Formations repeat. It has all the elements of, an, of a major top having had a major run. Uh, put in the neckline, and you can see in this case it's already breached the neckline, where well, that's not the case in EQIX. And if you do really long term, it's the same circumstance. A great winner that has all the elements, all the characteristics of a major top. And now, does it have to go a lot lower? That's my bet. But why be long something like that? So especially when so-called news, good news or bad out of Microsoft and Google, really didn't move the stocks. No, no question about it. And listen, I think the market breathed a collective sigh of relief when Microsoft didn't back up effectively what Bill McDermott said a couple of weeks ago. But my sense is that's just a matter of time. But speaking of time, we've run out of it. And somebody who hasn't topped out is you, Carterworth, because you, you are still on this trajectory, if you were a chart, it would be lower left to the upper right, my man. And I As it would be for clearly. you guys, of course, up and to the right, north by northeast. There you go. <laughs> anyway, that's it for Market Call. We only went two minutes late today. Not bad. And sorry I jumped that Chanos tweet. That's no, on me, peeps. That was on uh, me. Yankees-Mets tonight. Listen, tough one for the Yanks. Scherzer on the hill for the Mets I think it's uh, Domingo Herman, I believe, for the Yankees. Yankees reeling from last night's loss. I think they'll come back. I actually think they're going to bang around Max Scherzer a bit here at Shea Stadium tonight, but we'll see how it plays out. You know, in retrospect, it doesn't really matter because for Yankee fans like myself, the only thing that matters in October, and I will see you in October for baseball, but I will see you tomorrow. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet, tasty trade and we are powered by open exchange i dig tom sosnoff by the way i obviously dig carter tomorrow at 1 p.m dan and i will be back with who ey from sofi guy Dami. damn straight she's on the ic but she'll be with us tomorrow i can't wait neither can you see you later folks see you later guys thanks carter right.